Before we get to the show, I wanted to say thank you for supporting, downloading, and streaming The Church in Fix. I know that when I originally kicked off this podcast, I did not think that anyone was going to listen to it at all. I've listened to every episode you've put out. So one of the biggest things um, that I think is a disconnect between, uh, I can't speak for my generation, but for me, uh, and, and any elder is the belief that prayer works. You know, while I've done a lot of bad things in my life, you know, God, if you're if you're real, you know, I I pray that you forgive me. We're kind of looking at a reevaluation of what God is doing in people and how He is transforming people. And to kind of push us into that direction, I wanted to start the season out as early as possible with a testimony. And this testimony is one of my dear friends. We grew up together. Looking back, it's hard to believe that, you know, if I think about it, we've probably, we go back. I mean, we've known each other all of our lives, but really as far as our our friendship goes back at least 25, maybe more years. And we went to seminary together for a while. And God has just done so many things in his life, but he has a very, very, unique testimony. So I want to kind of set the stage for what that testimony looks like. I want him to do a brief introduction of himself before he goes into that, because he can do that better than I can. But he's a he's a, a young minister. He pastors a church in Houston, Texas. But if you look at the past, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about before we get into the present. He grew up in church and around church, And then there was a point in his life that he totally walked away from that and got involved in so many things. And not only did he do that, but now he is a minister of the gospel, helping others in their relationship with God. So this is an awesome testimony. You do not want to miss any part of that. So listen to this in its entirety in one setting, if possible. It might go a little long, but that's okay. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Joshua Blackman. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brennan. Thanks for thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited about this. Me too. Um, just prayed about it this morning. Actually, you you mentioned us, you know, being friends for, uh, you know, like actually having that solid friendship for over 20 years. And yesterday, my wife was um, doing some cleaning up, like so many people are probably doing right now during this COVID-19. We're all stuck in the house, and she pulled out a picture album, and there were some pictures in there. I think of like one of you and Stephanie's showers or something, bro. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. We can't remember if it was last week or week before, but Steph and I were talking about, you know, we'll be married 20 years, I think in a month or two. And you and Janine have been married, I think what, 21 years this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so January 15th is actually our anniversary and we were married in 2000. So we've been married 20 years and then, you know, uh, it's it's easy to remember. Right. (laughs) So, but it's, it's, it's crazy to think about how fast the time has went because one of the things that I've thought about is it's, it's one of those things you have those little memories that for whatever reason you always go back to in your mind. And one of the ones that I think about uh, is when we were in seminary, actually, and we were trying to, you know, you're trying to really find 
where you're going to go in the sense of how God is going to use you in the, in the future. You know, you have this desire to serve and, and be involved and, and you really don't know what the future holds. But right. I remember we, I can't remember if it was in the dorms or if we were actually in a service, but we looked at each other and we talked about, have you ever wondered what the preachers on the platform are leaning over talking to each other about? Yeah. I think I think it was you that said they're probably leaning over saying, hey, do you remember like 10 or 15, 20 years ago when we were sitting out in the audience wondering what each other was talking yeah, about? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, sure. you know, time is 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 fleeing and it's it's just so interesting to look back and have that perspective. But uh, yeah. we we have good memories together, man. We have a, we have a lot of memories praying together. Absolutely. Very good memories, man. Very good. Yeah. So let's let's go even even back further than that. So right. you grew up in church like your entire life. Yes. So my um my parents were um really cool. I love to listen to my um to my dad's story and we had traveled together talk to me and tell me, you know, his story and and then knowing my mom's story and then um, in my degree program, I've had to do some family of origin work. And so exploring into that. And so have had an amazing heritage, um, in the church and my, um, my parents were, um, members of the church that we attended together. Um, you, you were a member there in your family, um, at one time in just in the city. And they were members of that church, um, when it was actually a foundational, um, when it was built before our pastor, Roger Blackburn was there when John Mason was the pastor. And um, my dad, he kind of, um, he wasn't raised um, in the church. And one day he just had this uh, thought and said, you know, something's wrong with my life. I need to get right. Um, he talked to his brother and his brother, um, he said, you know, he said, I think I want to go to church, talk to his brother. His brother really liked um, the girls uh, that's why he went to church. And so he liked the girls at another, another church, another de- denomination. And so he wouldn't take my dad to that church. So he brought my dad um, to the apostolic Pentecostal church and he just stuck, you know, I mean, he was baptized and then um, spent time with the youth group there. And it took him some time to actually receive the baptism of the Holy ghost. But then my mom um, had an amazing um, story and she came into the, into the church. She moved here. And then eventually um, they got together and uh, my dad got the Holy Ghost. And so after they were married, um, I, um, you know, uh, sometime I was the firstborn child and um, parents raised me in the church. I can remember, I know you're talking about my uh, testimony here, my past, my journey. Um, I remember my, uh, my mom telling me a story um, and this is probably kind of weird, um, is that okay? Yeah, go with, go with it. Yeah, because <laughs> so, I, I think it sets the stage. Yeah, go. So when my mom, we we lived in, uh, we actually lived in Galena Park, uh, probably down the street from where my um, you know my family were. Um, they worked for the Galena Park School District. My grandfather worked there, a transportation department, and uh, my mom um, lived in a little a little apartments, I think, over in Galena Park. And you know, one day she, um, I was outside playing. I mean, it was, I don't know, had to be a year old maybe. And, um, and there were all these snakes that came up out of the bayou. And then my mom would always tell me, you know, like anytime that I was in some type of trouble, 
spiritually or whatever, she would have these dreams, you know, about these um, snakes coming up and, um, you know, trying to get me. And I mean, it's something that just stuck in her mind. So I was two years old, uh, raised in the church, um, like any family, um, you know, home life wasn't absolutely perfect. I think that that's something that um, we do a whole lot better about um, in our present context where people are willing to be authentic and say, um, that even after we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we're baptized in Jesus name, we continue on a journey of healing. And it, I mean, and the struggle for sanctification, the struggle for holiness is a lifelong journey. And God is continually um, molding and shaping us as we yield ourselves to him. We yield ourselves initially uh, when we repent, when we're baptized, when we receive the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in tongues. But then the work of sanctification is a lifelong work. So home life wasn't absolutely uh, perfect. But uh, when I was two years old, little brother was born, uh, was raised um, just to um, love church. I loved going to church as a small child, loved um, being a part of, of those things. Some of my earliest uh, memories are of um, preaching. I stayed a lot with my grandfather. I admired my pastor uh, to just uh, the greatest degree. And my grandfather used to have these little, um, he had a like a fox fireplace and he had these little um, chains with handles hanging down on them. And I would, as for a very small child, I would get those things and pretend that I was preaching. I would draw mm. pictures of my pastor, just loved, um, loved those types of things. In fact, one of the most significant parts of my journey that sometimes it's, it, it's just awe-inspiring to me in my story. When I was eight years old, I was attending a crusaders camp um, in the Texas district and that campgrounds there in Lufkin. And at eight years old, I remember one of the, um, I don't know who it was, one of the brother Gidros, he was um, doing a, like the day session at that little camp. First time I had ever gone to camp. First time I was just like significantly away from my parents, except for uh, being at my grandfather's house. And um, being there, he was standing up on that stage and he had built a little booth and it was the, he was talking about the story of Samuel, you know, mm -hmm. the call of Samuel that you read about um, in first Samuel chapter number two, I believe it is. And he, um, I can remember him saying, Samuel, Samuel, you know, like the voice of the Lord calling out. And in that moment, I look back in that moment and I, you know, a lot of people don't know this part of my story, but at eight years old in that moment, I knew people talk about their call story. Mm -hmm. I knew that God had called me. I didn't know what all it meant. Right. But I knew had God had called me to be a pastor. And I knew in that moment that I would be the successor to my pastor, to our pastor, you know, of many years, Roger Blackburn. And I didn't, I didn't understand that or fathom that or anything. It was just a, it, there was a call um, that issued forth in my life. I didn't hear a voice, didn't see a vision. It was just a knowing that um, came inside of me. And, you know, all along my journey, and you uh, mentioned about just the, the, the valleys and the, the deep places, and all of those things that I faced, that sense never left me, um, even in all of my wandering. You know, there's some old hymns that talk about our wandering and talk about those things. That sense never left me of that, of that call. Um, and so 
after that, um, you know, growing up, the teenage years are always a turbulent time. I mean, for many people, um, some maybe maybe some parents do a better job of reining their children in. Maybe um, people have um, some better methods of doing things, and uh, parenting can uh, go a long way to curb so many things. Um, and having the ability to talk to your children in a healthy way, um, working on your own dysfunction, I think, is so important. That's why I believe sanctification is a lifelong process and uh, receiving the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in tongues, that's initial. But then the Lord desires for us to continue to grow in the fruit of the spirit. And that mm-hmm. context, I really believe, should happen in the home life. I mean, we should be. So anyway, um, my story, my journey, it was in the, I think, you know, when I was in elementary school had some difficulty there, but I mean, my heart was really maybe toward God. I'll I'll rewind a little bit. So at nine years old, and and I've been thinking about this part of my story here lately, and it's uh, it's neat that you asked me to uh, share this because I I don't always think about this, but the other day I was thinking about when I was baptized. I was baptized at nine years old. I remember um, in our church, we had, you know, altar benches, Mm -hmm. and I went up to the front, um, prayed, um, and had a deep experience, a deep, um, you know, we call it a repentance experience, giving my heart to God. Um, I believe that I received the Holy Spirit with the initial sign of speaking in tongues at that time. And um, it was a very real experience to me as a child. I mean, it was something that was uncoerced. I don't even know how or why I went up to that altar. I don't remember any of that. But I remember um, after that altar service, riding with my mom to the house to get some clothes so that I could uh, come back and be baptized, you know, because you get wet. And I wanted to, um, (laughs) you know, make they wanted to make sure I had some dry clothes afterwards. So coming back and being baptized and after being immersed in water in the name of Jesus being invoked over my life, I remember coming out of that. And as a child of nine years old, I remember Uh, my mom, you know, asking me, you know, how do you feel? And I said, I just feel clean. I feel, Mm. you know, I feel clean. I felt safe. Um, I felt um, secure at that moment. And so after that, you know, I was in elementary school, uh, you know, the normal things that kids go through um, after fifth grade, I, um, um, and, you know, there were turbulent times. There were difficulties along the way um, that probably helped to shape me and helped me to shape some of my decisions. Um, I think it's I think it's important that we're authentic with our children. And, um, and sometimes that can be difficult. I think the church could do a better job of um, talking to families and talking to them about being authentic and uh, talking to uh, to children and saying, look, all of us as human beings, we're mixed bags. And, um, and we may be saved, we may be sanctified, we may be filled with the Holy Ghost, but um, we need to uh, be aware that all of us have a lot of work to do, and we need to, to teach that. So um, when I went to middle school, I think I had a heart towards, um, still had a heart kind of towards God, and just that those core beliefs that were inside of me were still there. But I transferred to a different school district. There was a, a friend of ours from the church that went to that same school. And, uh, and I think there was another, uh, you know, a person there that I kind of connected with. 
But gradually over time, um, the friends that I had changed. I had that type of personality and uh, just being transparent. I was probably very easily led. Oftentimes my friends were older than I was, at least by a couple of years. And so they had a lot of influence on me and they might have been involved in uh, various, you know, vices. Um, and so, I mean, I, I would do those things. I mean, even from a, a very young child, I remember spending time with one of my uncles and, you know, um, smoking cigarettes, doing this, doing that, just experimenting um, as a child. But, you know, there's something that happens, I mean, in those teenage years and in your, even from a psychological standpoint, you know, that development of that frontal part of your brain and you're willing to take more risks, you're willing to get out there and you long for acceptance, mm -hmm. you long to be understood. Um, and I find myself even here lately, one of the prayers that I pray is God, uh, from the need to be accepted, deliver me from the need to be understood, deliver me. And I think that as a young person, um, those two desires, the need to be accepted and the need to be understood caused me to drift towards a crowd that, you know, seemed to accept me and, um, just difficult, difficult moments, man. Um, broken heartedness. I mean, sometimes that puppy love of, uh, childhood, um, and, and those, um, teenage years can be, um, devastating. And sometimes we don't take those things seriously for our children and all, oh, they're just experimenting. But I, I think a sensitivity, um, through the fruit of the spirit, through the gifts of the spirit to our own children can be, um, very meaningful. But anyway, when I was like in eighth grade, I mean, I was doing good, um, in school, I took, um, you know, I was taking classes for um, high school credit while I was in middle school, way back in the day before they do all the awesome stuff that they do today. Um, and taking those things and that's significant for later on in my story. But I remember maybe a, a significant turning point in my life was, so I, I wound up having this girlfriend. I was, I was about 13 years old for, you know, around that. Mm -hmm. And I had this girlfriend that was 18 years old. And, you know, so at that time I was like, wow, you know, I thought that was amazing. Looking back, I'm like, I'm not sure that was too, you know, <laughs> very cool. And, um, and I, I thought about that. I think I was thinking about it yesterday. I don't know if, um, you know, you talking to me and want me to come on here, you know, brought those thoughts up, but, you know, I thought, man, I'm in, you know, I'm in love here. I'm just, just a kid. And then, um, eventually when that relationship, you know, dissolved, I mean, it was real devastating to me. And it was, you know, shortly after that, I had um, been spending some time with friends and church friends. So this is what I'll say about this as well. I think you as parents, you should know your children's friends and know the people that your, your kids are hanging out with, even if they're church people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's well, I think that that's a, a misconception that we have is if I put my kids in a Christian school where I keep my kids around only church friends that I can avoid some of the pitfalls that they would have in other places. And, and maybe to an extent that's true, but many times we find that the world is full of people, regardless of where you find them, be that in the church or in Christian schools. And I'm talking about younger kids because we're trying to protect our kids, it seems like, and that's the right thing to do. I totally agree with that. But it seems like they're always going to find someone that's going to have an influence on them that we 
as parents are probably not going to agree with in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, and I know this is not the, the purpose of the podcast, but I, I, I would say this, bro. Um, so for me, and in my own emotional healing over the past you know, 15 years or so, I mean, God has continued to work in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I did early on with my own children was, you know, I kind of overcompensated because of my own experience. And so I, you know, I said, you know what, I'm putting my kids in, um, you know, Christian school, I'm, I'm, I'm going to protect them. And I really kind of overdid that and overfunctioned in my children's lives in a, you know, in a reactive way, trying to protect them from my own experience. Yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's important for us to think through all of those things. And I think as church leaders to speak into the lives of people that come into the church and say, Hey, you know, the world's a mixed bag. Christians are a mixed bag. Um, sanctification is a lifelong journey. Uh, you need to know yourself, work on yourself and, and be aware that in every context, you know, there's, there's good and bad. I mean, and we have to be honest and authentic about that. Well said. I, you articulated that much better than I did. I love it. No, <laughs> no, I mean, you did. I mean, perfect. I love it. I love it. So, so yeah, but go on. Yeah. But you just, my mind kind of went in that direction when, when I heard you say that, but go on. Yeah. So, so, you know, around that time, I mean, I was devastated, man. I mean, I thought I was just like the coolest guy in the whole wide world. Here I am 13 years old. I have this 18 year old girlfriend. I mean, it's, you know, it was, it's funny now looking back on it, you know, and I mean, and I'm like, oh, you know, for real. But at that, at that time, I mean, in that tender age, um, different things were happening. And I hung out with some guys um, that, you know, kind of like the um, gangster type, you know, people. And during those moments, you know, kind of just acting out, looking to, to find um, our, you know, myself, I was, I was very influenced and very early on, I, I started doing, I, I did drugs with those guys, but nothing really happened to me. I remember the first time that I smoked marijuana, nothing, it didn't affect me at all. Nothing, no, no big deal. And then, um, but hanging out with those guys started, uh, you know, listening to different kind of music, uh, listen to rap music and, um, Hanging out with those guys, eventually, you know, shortly after that experience where I had that, you know, breakup with that girl, and um, we we kind of just started acting out the things that we were watching and movies and stuff like that, and um, got in some trouble um, with the law, and potentially, I um, got in some trouble that could have landed me um, in jail uh, for a while. But there was uh, parents were good to me; they didn't understand; they were very stressed out, uh, very, um, just freaked out. It was a very difficult season for them. I think about it now, there were other things that were happening along the same time. And, um, and I deeply regret, I mean, it's a, um, it's a very sore spot in my, in my heart and it's taken me years to, um, you know, forgive myself and, and grow in my relationship with my dad where, we've talked about those things and said, you know, and I mean, my dad's even said, you know, son, I wish I would have been there more, uh, you know, in your childhood and, you know, and different things. There's been a lot of healing along that journey. And I mean, he's grown as a person, I've grown as a person, but I've deeply regretted that. And I've grown to the place to where I'm like, how can I honor my parents now 
for their intervention and their prayers because I wouldn't have made it without them. So got in trouble there. Didn't, um, didn't have to ultimately got put on probation until I was 18 years old. I actually got in a little more trouble after that, but I determined in my heart at that time, I said, you know what? I was about to go into high school and I said, you know, I really don't want to get in any more trouble. I still hung out with some of the same friends, but then, um, I started really doing drugs and I started doing drugs in a harder way. You know, I would still go to church, still go to church, but um, not so much. My heart wasn't there. I think I could still hear God at different times. I can remember bringing friends of mine with me to church just because that's, you know, that's just what I did. I mean, my, my, my family brought me to church um, and bringing them to church. And actually there might've been a part in my heart that wanted them to, you know, here, but then God's speaking. And I can remember just, you know, not listening. And I'm thankful for God's mercy and grace on my life. But I started doing drugs harder and harder and harder. And well, and, and to, to that point, and without going into great detail, I'll, I'll tell you this, me from, from an outsider looking in at that point, I even remember uh, your brother and I, your younger brother, we were closer during that time than you and I were. And right. I remember even spending the night at your house one time. And I remember just in my mind, I was like, you, you, we always knew how intelligent you were. You, you were always smart. And you alluded to that with the classroom experiences and the, uh, they would have been considered advanced classes by today's standards that, that you were in. And me at that time, because that was a period of my time that I was probably more dedicated. I went through my, my own time as well, but I was more dedicated during that time. And I remember thinking, what in the world is going on? I, I just, I could not understand why or what that, what was so enticing about the drug. But to be fair, I had never had that experience. So I could not relate to somebody experimenting with that or having the desire to do that at that point in time. But uh, I, I do remember one time being at your house and, and you and somebody, I don't know who it was, but y'all were trying to find a way to, to, to get something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that some of it, just like it, you know, goes back to that, that prayer, you know, God delivered me from the need to be accepted from the need to be understood. I think that that was a part of it because I remember the first time that I actually, um, you know, actually got like high. Um, it was when I was in the ninth grade, you know, up to that point, even with my little trouble with the law and those things, I didn't, um, I didn't, I hadn't done drugs, you know, to that, to that great degree. Well, entered the ninth grade. And, um, I remember one morning, these guys wanted me to hang out with them. They took me, um, to this other guy's house and we, um, you know, I mean, we smoked weed and I mean, I, I was high, man. I mean, that was the first time I was extremely high. Mm-hmm. I remember going to class and it was kind of funny because during that same exact time, it was kind of like all of these different, uh, things were pulling on me. Um, my mm-hmm. heart, there was a, there was a girl that I was liking and, um, she, you know, belonged to a church and, um, she really liked me. I was wanting to change my life. I remember going to school and wearing the little uh, I, I used to have a t-shirt. I think she bought it for me. God's gym, you know, and I remember talking to a guy and saying, man, you know, telling him about church. And so I was kind of pulled in two different directions right there. 
I'm in that ninth grade year and um, thinking I want to get my life right, but I never developed that relationship with God for myself. I think it's so vital that parents nurture in their children spiritual disciplines and practices from a very early age. Um, I even though that call that I had eight years old and that relationship that I had at nine years old, I never developed or cultivated that. I mean, it never it was never real to me. And I was looking for acceptance and um, you know, and to be understood in all kinds of places. Well then it was always related to drugs or um, something like that. I got another girlfriend, finally settled on one. And an interesting thing, and this is important for the end of my journey as well. So during that same time, uh, my wife, um, she, she wasn't my wife then. Well, she has an amazing story. She came to church, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized, was changing her life. And she was, you know, she's a little older than I am. But she had just come out of a lifestyle of drug abuse, alcoholism. I mean, a very a difficult situation herself. Well, I took her out as a 16-year-old kid. She was 19. I took her out on one date, right? And then I knew in my heart of hearts, I was like, man, this girl is making uh, major strides in her life. Her life is being turned around. I was like, I need to just leave her alone. So I just told her, hey, look, we can't hang out. I'm not any good for you. And I just left her alone right then. I mean, and that was our only um, date at that at that point. Well, then my life started to spiral. I started to use harder drugs, um, worse drugs, um, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, eventually, um, I um, I decided I didn't want to get in any more trouble. My parents were working um, in the background of my life with the school district, and um, said, you know, it would be easy for him. He's um, He's got enough credits because of the credits that he had when he was in middle school um, to be able to get out of um, out of school early. Let's get him out of here a year early. We don't want him to get any more trouble, and we really don't want him here, uh, you know, um, causing problems and just. Um, and so, my last year of high school, I would go to school in the morning. I would do my work. I would sit there and do my work. Sometimes I would be high. Um, didn't want to get in trouble, but I was just living a life that was increasingly, I didn't know it, um, spiraling myself into spiritual and psychological um, trouble. And so I would go to school in the morning. A lot of times I would pick up my girlfriend that I had then, um, I'd drop her, drop her at school, pick up my brother, drop him, and then go to school until uh, lunchtime or whatever. And then I had a co-op class. I would go to uh, go to work. And then even in that, I got everywhere that I went, I found friends that, um, you know, more drug use, more um, alcohol abuse, those things and all of that. And then I would go to work. And then after that, I would go to night school. I took, you know, two English classes at, at night school and I was able to, you know, graduate that year early. But getting out of high school and around about that time, I just basically told my parents, look, I'm not living here anymore. I went to live with my grandfather. Uh, and lived in a, a worse neighborhood. And then I got one of my first jobs at a grocery store with a friend of mine that I used to hang out with and we would just do drugs. I mean, that's, that's what we would do. And at that grocery store, there was a security guard and, um, and being there with him, I mean, it, I spiraled even worse, started doing cocaine, 
um, got into doing, uh, eventually did some crystal meth and um, just worse and worse crowd that I was hanging out with. And I mean, and still that it was just like a, a need to be accepted and need to be understood. And yet in my heart of hearts, there was a little knowing deep down inside of me I, that call that I received at eight years old and that experience that I had at nine years old, it never really left me. And yet I was just inflicting wounds upon myself that it's taken years and years and years um, to heal the things that I did. I mean, the, the depths that I went to, you know, during those times and all of my time of running, I mean, we can do things that it's very difficult for us to imagine and fathom that, you know, God can forgive or that we can forgive ourselves. I mean, when you do drugs, I mean, you can, um, you know, you lower your inhibitions, you say things, you uh, listen to things, you, you do things that you wouldn't regularly do. And so from that moment, I remember a significant experience of God intervening in my life. And it's amazing how my journey is all woven together. I had a, so when I rewind to that middle school where you were talking of me taking those like advanced classes. So I took algebra in the eighth grade, which was not normal back then, you know, ages ago. Um, and I had a teacher there, Miss Stevens. And, um, I, I consider myself to be indebted to her. She was a sweet lady to me. Um, and those years later, when I was so drugged out of my mind, I remember spending the night doing um, cocaine and I think doing crystal. And it was on a birthday of mine. And I remember driving uh, away from that, you know, party in the morning and I was driving to my dad's house. And while I was driving, I can remember myself just feeling like I, I was having a panic attack. I could not have articulated it now, then, didn't know what was happening. But I mean, I just started freaking out. I remember pulling over at the gas station and just, I felt like I was just going to die. I felt like I was about to, you know, like um, hell was opening up and I was about to just descend immediately. You know, I mean, it was just a, it was a terrible, terrible experience pulled over at that gas station, went in there. Um, and I was going to buy some cigarettes. I was like, I got to get myself together. And then I just told the lady, you know what, just call an ambulance. I, I, I don't know. And I just went over and sat against the wall and my eighth grade algebra teacher just happened to be in that, uh, gas station. And, um, and for me, I believe it was providential. I believe it was the Lord. And, um, she just looked over and she said, Josh, is that you? And, um, and I was like, yeah. And um, long story short, detective came, ambulance came, got myself calmed down. And then um, my car was there. I had drugs in my car. Um, I had drugs that probably would have put me in jail for a while, you know, like rohypnols, those, those types of drugs, cocaine, different, different things there. And um, the detective, he didn't search my car because he didn't even know it was mine. I mean, here you got this guy all freaked out. He let me go and he was like, well, how are you going to get home? And um, I said, well, that lady right there is going to take me. And um, so my eighth grade algebra teacher picked me up, you know, those years later and took me around the corner to my dad's house. And she sat there and she said, Josh, she was like, what's wrong with you? What? She remembered a picture that I had showed her of my um, 18 year old girlfriend, you know, when I was in that school. She was like, what happened to that type of life? And I was like, oh, you know, Miss Stevens, I was like, this is, this is always how I've been, you know, and, and I think in reality, it was how I'd always been, even though I didn't, um, 
know how to articulate it at that time. I was always looking for that acceptance and that love. And that just didn't, I was looking for it like the old country song in all the wrong places. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so God intervened in my life right then again. I mean, and that would have been a second time when perhaps I would have been, you know, in jail. And I mean, and it's hard once you get into the system, it's hard to, to get out. Um, but God intervened. My dad came once again and, um, you know, helped me, got rid of the drugs. I didn't really change my life at that time, but I started to spiral even worse down. I mean, psychologically, emotionally, the drugs just eventually um, got to my mind where, I mean, I, I had, I mean, a psychotic episode. I mean, my, my mind was just blown. I mean, I went to psychologists, psychiatrists. There was a time when I, I've been on uh, different meds to try to just um, manage, you know, what was going on inside of me internally. And, you know, I don't talk about this a lot. God has brought me, I mean, so far from that time. I can remember uh, moments when people said, well, I don't even know, you know, Josh, he's just all messed up. You know, he comes over and I mean, he doesn't even form a sentence, you know, his, his mind is just blown. And so those drugs had really done, taken a toll on me. Um, and then I remember just living at my grandfather's house and gradually just um, all of the pain, all of the hurt, you know, from regrets and pains. I can remember sitting at my, um, just sitting at the desk, my aunt's uh, desk that, you know, she still lives in the same house where my grandfather lived sitting there. And then I remember calling my mom. And I mean, I was at a point where I was suicidal. I was just uh, completely lost. You know, we can do things and we can have regrets and we can make decisions that we think are um, beyond repair, beyond uh, forgiveness. And I, and I was really at that place. I was suicidal. I remember uh, for people to see me at that time, I mean, I was very pale, very lean. Um, I had um, every opportunity that I had. When I, immediately when I graduated high school, even in the midst of all of my drug stuff, I was invited to the National Youth Leadership Forum on Medicine. I was thinking of going into the medical field. I was accepted into the nursing program at San Jack. And I would just blow all those things, you know, through uh, drugs and, and just that uh, searching, searching for something that I didn't know what I was looking for. Mm. Uh, and I remember sitting at that desk and, and just kind of calling my mom and saying, hey, I want to go to church. I'm going to go to church. She came and got me. Um, and took me to church and I, I can remember and I tell this story to our new members class, right? Because I do the first couple of classes and I tell them because uh, we have it in the building. We, we, we built a new building, but we have the new members class and what's our fellowship hall now. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell them the story and I'll say, you know, I walked into this building over 20 years ago and I'll say, and I sat and I'll point to the place where I sat. I came in there, I was all pierced up, hair dyed black, pale, thin, wearing all black, just a psychological and emotional and spiritual mess, um, didn't know where I was going to go next in life. And I mean, and I was barely, I think I was, I might've been 19 years old, maybe 18, 19 years old. Mm. Uh, and I mean, that's hard. I mean, that was, a, that was a lot of living, you know, up to that point and a lot of bad decisions, a lot of uh, things that I did to myself that I didn't think I would could recover from. Well, 
sitting in that pew, um, kneeling down there and just saying, and this was kind of my prayer. I was saying, God, if you're not through with me, would you please uh, send someone to pray with me? That was my prayer. And um, as I was there praying, I, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know there was any hope. I mean, I was a complete and utter mess. Mm. And then I've heard you tell me the story that you were actually up in the altar area. And I tell this story every time I teach this new members class that I teach at our church where I serve as pastor now, which is crazy. We haven't got there yet, but um, you were hearing from God and God was saying to you, why don't you go and pray with Josh? And um, I, I think you said something like, he doesn't want me to pray for him. Do you recall yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it was a struggle for me because to, to, to your point earlier, what a lot of the listeners may not know is you would stand in the back of the church with your hair down and you would growl at people coming in the back door sometimes, you know, I don't know if you were messing with people or what. And so, yeah, I was messing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and so I, I'm, I mean, I'm up at the front and I feel God telling me and I'm like, no, God, this, this guy of all the people, there's no way that you're telling me to go pray with it. I mean, I remember it was a struggle and it was three times. And the first time it was, it was very much, you know, go pray. And I was like, no, no, that's just me. I'm just being dumb, whatever. There's no, you know, and the second time it was, it was more of a push and it was more of a, you better go pray. But the third time when I felt him tell me, it was more of like a judgment. It was more, if you don't go pray for him. And so I was just, I I was begrudgingly <laughs> walking back and uh, I remember I just walked back there and I don't even remember what I said, but I remember I just sat down beside you, put my hand on your back. And you know, and, and, and I'm, I'll, I'll say this, you know, and I, I get to say it like publicly. I mean, I'm forever grateful, man. It's just like um, the gratitude that I, um, that I have. I mean, I'm, I thank you, man. I mean, I, it's very possible that I wouldn't be here today if you had obeyed the voice of the Spirit. So I think that anyone that's listening to this, you know, the impulse of love is never wrong. And the promptings of the Spirit, sometimes I think they're just don't worry if you get it wrong. If you love, go with it. I mean, I, I think that who knows what you will be able to um, – accomplish or what God's trying to do in some life because I probably wouldn't be here, Brandon. So I, I'm very grateful to you, man. And I'm grateful to God uh, for answering my prayer that day because I, um, after that, I remember the song that they were singing. They were singing a crab family song, please forgive me. I mean, and it was such a significant um, song for that moment. I went up to the front and God touched my life uh, and my way of worship was just intense. I remember my wife later telling me that she said it looked like I was moshing for Jesus. I was just, you know, I yielded myself to the spirit and that began a journey of healing for me. Um, it wasn't instantaneous, but from that moment, I saw life started to change and even walking out of there, not completely. Um, and this could be harsh for some people, but I remember my dad driving me home and just asking my dad, dad, can you, can you get me a beer? You know, I mean, after, you know, being in that moment, but God was gracious to me. And I mean, even my struggle after that with cigarettes and, um, and you know, and, and various things, God 
was gracious to me in bringing me forward and in um, changing my life over a period of time. And so for me as a pastor now, I mean, I have a heart for prodigals, for people that, that have said, you know, that have maybe uh, struggled and walked away because people don't understand their lives and they may, who knows, we don't know, you don't know what's going on inside of that person. And they may uh, have a tough exterior and seem like they're okay, but really on the inside, it may be a longing for love and acceptance. And so that began a journey for me in earnest. I mean, I started to pray after that, like I had never prayed. I remember getting down and I would have to pray through uh, many of the things that I was, I would have all of these heavy weight emotionally and psychologically, and I believe spiritually. And I would have to just, you know, like people talk about, and if you've ever heard anybody using the phrase, pray through, I would have to pray until I was praying in the spirit and it built my prayer life uh, by having to do that, by having to wrestle through my difficulties and my struggles. Well, um, very shortly after that, I um, talked to my pastor. I said, hey, I want to go to Bible college. And I believe it was the Lord prompting me and moving me because probably if I would have stayed in the environment that I was in, um, I would have probably, who knows, I might have relapsed. My life might have been lost. I might have been destroyed. So moving out of that environment where I was at, going to um, Bible college and, you know, and I believe that was the year that you went, we went there, um, you know, together. um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but we even, uh, the yearbook photos, we, we shared the same jacket. We, we traded the jacket for those. Wow. (laughs) Back in the day, back when I was more lean. Hey man, that was something that I really uh, was thinking about as I was looking at those pictures. I was telling you earlier that I found this photo album Mm. uh, yesterday. My wife was doing some cleaning up and, uh, and man, we were very lean. I was like, wow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We were kids, man. Yeah. Those were good. But but to your point, you know, uh, and I, I know that a lot of people may not understand, but even when you came back, I remember some of the, uh, the medications that you were still having to take to help with anxiety and stuff. Yeah. There, there was a, there was a struggle to let go. And I don't remember, I I know it was at a service. I know it was a church service, but I don't remember how long or, or, or it, it took or anything. But I remember there was a time that you actually left those, uh, medications that you had, you had been carrying. I don't think that you were taking them, but there was a sense of security that you had by keeping them with you. And I believe that you left them at the altar of a church one night, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. So that was while I was in, in Bible college. And so I had, um, you know, gone to my pastor and, um, and one of the things that you did, which I think is something that's so essential, um, and, you were, you were good at it. I mean, you, you began to invite me over to your house. We started spending time together. Um, you know, I would stay, uh, stay the night over there. You would take me to worship services. You would take me to revival services and, and, you know, and God would move in my life and you befriended me. And I think that that's something that's so important, uh, for people. A lot of times people come into the church and they may have a genuine experience with God, but then no one befriends them. And, you know, I mean, they drift back to their other friends, but having that friendship, um, you know, discipleship happens in the context of friendship and you helped to shape my life by the places that you took me and just by loving me. Um, even in all of my, um, 
my brokenness and my roughness. I was thinking about some of the conversations um, that we had um, over that time and then going to Bible college together and being there. And yes, still having that struggle. And then even in Bible college, looking around and wondering at uh, what I thought, I was like, wow, you know, I mean, all of these people that are in Bible college, they should be more spiritual, you know, and I felt like <laughs> that they were worldly, you know, I felt like their their focus wasn't, but, you know, they didn't have my same experience. I mean, they grew up in a different uh, place and I mean, they didn't. And so for me, it was like, well, I'm doing this thing all the way and I don't care, you know, what you do. And so I was fasting, praying, uh, probably doing it all wrong. Of the things that I did back then, I, I don't recommend to anybody, but uh, we. Uh, I, I've told I've told many stories about how during that time we would be like, I'm going on a five day fast, and like four days into it, we were like, I can't make it. Can you cover up? You know, like <laughs> right. We were we were really silly, man. Like when when you think about, but it was good. I would I would not trade any of that for anything because those were the building blocks for the future that I didn't understand at that time. Right. During that time, I remember many times that we would, uh, of course we did not have families at that time outside of our parents. So, so that was probably something that helped, but I remember many times that we would go up to the church and we just lay on the floor and pray. Yeah. And we'd have those opportunities to do that. I remember, Many times I've talked to people about how if you need help learning how to pray, find out when somebody's going to go pray and just go listen to them. You'll learn how to pray. But we we spent time with God. We spent time studying the word. Those were the times in our life that we fell asleep with and we would wake up, you know, with drool coming out onto the pages of our Bibles. Yeah. Those were the times that I still, I have pages in that, my Bible that I carried during that time that are still stuck together from, from, you know, falling asleep on it and the markings that are, that are in that book. That was the foundation for the future that I did not understand. Yeah. And I think the same is, is, and that's what makes your testimony so powerful is you had those ups and downs, but then that transition even seeing what appeared to be a challenge in, in Bible school with what's going on here. I remember we, we would joke around, but at the time we didn't think it was funny uh, about where all the saved people at Bible school, you know, and, yeah. but it was based on those experiences. But anyway, I don't can, can continue on my mind. You just hit that, that topic and it made my mind. go. So, back. I mean, and that was, I mean, and that's vital to my story. Cause I mean, like I said, you know, as a child, you know, I didn't really develop that, uh, those spiritual disciplines and practices, man, I think we've moved away from that. Um, and I think there has been a time, um, in, even in our church world, where we, we focus on the event, we focus on the service, which is an important part, and it is an important spiritual discipline, but sometimes to the neglect of, you know, um, individual disciplines like personal prayer and personal devotion. And I think that those things are vital. And I think those are things that are vital that we instill in our children from the very first. Um, I I think that perhaps maybe, and uh, that my course would have um, taken a different turn if, if from an early age, 
I had developed, you know, a deep life where I was feeling that love from God rather than looking for all these other places. And so that's what happened to me when I entered the Bible college. And I will pray deeply. It's my and I learned to pray. I learned to pray in the spirit. I mean, those things are very, very real. I mean, the, the Bible talks about praying um, with groanings which cannot be uttered and learn those things and move into those, those places in the spirit and study the word of God. And, and the word of God healed my mind. I remember in Bible college, I had a job for security. And I remember I would just read the Bible. Uh, and just read and read and read and read and read. And so all the scriptures, I mean, if I ever quote scripture, it was that season of my life. Just over and over. And that's an amazing way of just renewing your mind. And so during that time, well, so really started to happen. So my wife, um, I had taken out a date when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. And she was 19, you know, just recently got in the church. Well, at that time, well, she was going to the Bible college. And so we started hanging out together. And it was like my life kind of just converged back where, you know, it would have been, you know, back then with all of my baggage. One of the neat things is that I don't know, Brandon, I, I would say this, you know, my wife, because of the background and the lifestyle that she came out of, she was able to handle all of my dysfunction and my brokenness that I was working through. I don't know that there was be another uh, female that would have been able to handle, handle me. I mean, I've told her I'm grateful to her too. I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, thanks for putting up with me as God has worked healing in my life, you know, all of these, all of these years, but we started to date and she, um, she loved God. I mean, she wanted to live for God. I mean, she had a deep prayer life, had some great mentors, and so eventually we married and, um, you know, great experience, but still working through a lot of dysfunction. My wife had, um, you know, two mistresses. And I look back now, Brandon, and I have actually, and this, this could be very difficult for someone to accept, but during my time of practicing gratitude to the Lord, there have been times and I've said, Lord, I'm grateful that we didn't have those kids at that time. You were still working on some dysfunction in my life. And I mean, what would their home life and development have been like mm. um, as I was still working on my attitudes and my, uh, all of the things that I was working through because God didn't instantaneously heal me. I mean, some people, and I'm grateful and it does happen. I've seen it happen. God instantaneously heals people of um, all kind of, you know, psychological, emotional, of spiritual maladies, uh, addictions, God instantaneously heals those things. But for other people, I mean, it takes a while and it takes struggle and it takes a willingness on their part to get things right. And God was working in me all of that time. And so uh, once we get married, uh, I thought, you know, coming right out of Bible college, I was like, man, I'm ready to go into full-time ministry. You know, I hadn't forgot that uh, part in my heart that I'm going to be a pastor um, from the time I was eight years old, um, that I'm going to be the successor to my pastor. Um, and it was still there inside of me, but also a lot of wounds and scars and junk that I had to work through emotionally. So sometimes people are like, hey, they don't, 
they hide all of that stuff. And mm. one of the things that I've learned in the past couple of years is that, you know, what, you have to get it out in the open. There's a scripture that we love to quote and we, we use and rightly so, but we anoint people with oil and we pray for them. And, and we say the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. But in the context of that scripture, it also says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. We like to also quote the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous person avails much. But in that context, it's talking about confession, the discipline of confession. And some of the greatest healing moments in my life have been when I've been able to say, let me tell you what's really going on with me. Let me tell you what I'm really experiencing emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually. Mm. Would you pray for me? And when I got it out in the open, it's kind of like it says in First John, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And there's something about getting those uh, difficult places in our lives out in the light um, that God can heal, that he doesn't heal anywhere else. And so I was able to do that with my wife. Um, there are even some moments I, I, I believe that I was able to do that with you, share things with you, other people in my life along the way. Um, I had a great pastor who was willing to hear me and disciple me and didn't just, uh, he wasn't afraid of my dysfunction. And he was able to say, hey, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you through that, I, even though I've never been through something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And I learned about bringing my thoughts into captivity under the obedience of Christ, about renewing my mind, about the change of mind. Well, after Bible college, I thought, I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I'm ready. Let's do this thing, you know, right. even with all of my dysfunction. And sometimes we feel like we're ready. We want to leap out there. But sometimes God's still doing a work in us. And that work never stops. Uh, I, I want to say that sometimes we think, well, I've arrived now. But every single person, God's working on them. It doesn't matter how far along the spiritual journey they are. Mm -hmm. And that can be very relieving for us. Um, and, and it can keep us from judging others too harshly. I mean, I used to be very hard. Like I said, I would look at the guys around me at Bible college that had uh, maybe grown up in an environment where they, in my estimation, had never done anything wrong. I mean, I know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they had never been down the paths that I had been down. And I thought, well, how can they behave You know, this way? And really, they were just being normal human beings, um, having fun. But me looking back, I'm like, man, these guys are, you know, I, at the time, I thought they were carnal, but God was doing a work in me that he didn't have to do in them because they didn't have all of the baggage that I was carrying. So after that, I went into the elevator business, wasn't interested in being in the elevator business. God did a lot of work in me in the elevator business. A lot of times we think that when we go into an environment because we show up, God is working. But one of the prayers that I've learned to pray is, God, what are you doing here presently where I'm at? And how can I participate? And also, God, since you sent me here to do ministry or on, onto this job, what are you doing in me? Because you're also working to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.29 says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God's using all of our life situations, all of our difficulties, even all of our dumb decisions, right? To mold and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. So I look back now and I'm like, man, you know, what in the world? Why did I make such dumb decisions? But God says, 
what if you'll give your decisions to me and you'll give all of your brokenness to me, I'll do something good out of it. And so now as a pastor, um, I'm able to take all of my past dysfunction and brokenness, and I'm able to understand people that maybe are going through similar things that I've gone through. Um, and God uses that for his glory and Amen. to his advantage. And I don't glorify that. I, and I, I wish that I had one of those lives like those people that their life is just like extremely squeaky clean and they learn to have a relationship with God at an early age. And, but I wouldn't be the person that I am today. If I didn't have the journey that I had, I wish I had a different journey sometimes, but it is what it is. And we have to embrace where we're at and say, okay, God, I give you my life, the good and the bad. What can you do with it now? So my wife, when she first got in the church and she had to work through her own dysfunction and uh, the, the effects of her past drug abuse, my pastor, who was our pastor, uh, Roger Blackburn, um, he told her one day, he prophetically spoke into her life when she was 19 years old-ish and said, you know what, one of these days, you know, you're going to fulfill the role, um, you know, for some man that my wife fulfills the role uh, for me, you know, like as a pastor's wife. And I mean, it's like, so God is setting all of these pieces in place. He told me when I was eight years old, even though I went through deep, dark valleys and, um, and God was merciful to me and he didn't have to be. And I'm very forever grateful for that. But we kind of, I spent 15 years in the elevator business. God was teaching me how to deal with people. He was teaching me how to work on my own self. I was thinking, well, I got everything that I needed in Bible college. I'm all for Bible college. I'm a seminary student presently and trying to uh, navigate what I'm going to do next with that. I believe in those things, but also real world experience and what God is molding and shaping in our lives every single day is preparation for the next phase of ministry that we have. So through those 15 years, there were moments that I lamented and cried and said, God, I must have messed up too bad that you're not going to fulfill this uh, word that you gave me when I was eight years old about being a pastor. I mean, I, I went through bouts of depression. I mean, all of those things. Mental, mental health is important. Sometimes mm. we shy away from those things, but healing and talking to somebody that you can confess to a good mentor, a pastor, somebody that can disciple you or that can outsource you to somebody. It's important because it's real. Um, and, and, and so I would wrestle with those things and I was like, how is this ever going to happen? How, how would this ever be God? I know that you told me this. And so sometimes it's, it's a long journey to where God is um, getting us to then about, I don't know, it's been five, seven years, maybe ago, my pastor, uh, he spoke to me one day and he said, you know, son, he said, look, he was like, God spoke to me. Um, and this is what we're doing. We're going to move towards this, this transition. And this is what I'm feeling. How do you feel about this? And I mean, immediately I was like, yes, you know I mean? This is my dream that God gave me from the time I was eight years old. Absolutely. Let's do this. And, you know, a long story short, we worked through those things. And now, I mean, I've been pastoring the church that, um, this is, I'm in my fifth year of pastoring the church that I, uh, I followed my pastor as successor, just like the Lord told me when I was eight years old. Mm. And it's, uh, sometimes it's like a dream. I'm like, can this be even real? 
but don't, I, I would say this, I don't know, to your listeners, I mean, whatever mistakes that you've made in the past, if you can just give those mistakes to the Lord, there's a degree and a measure of healing that you can experience where you can say, you know, it's just a part of my journey and God has something more for me. Um, tell it to the Lord, tell it to somebody that can pray with you and then um, go forward. Because I mean, I'm not everything that I want to be, but I've come so far from where I was. And I believe that if I'll continue to give my life to the Lord, he'll take me all the way and take me further than I could have ever even imagined. Hey Amen. It's, it's so good. Just hearing you talk about all of those things and just thinking back, you talked about being eight years old and knowing something, and then you move forward just a few years, and then you think about all of the challenges and all of the bad decisions, and it would be easy for people, especially people in the church, to have taken a look at your life and said, I'm not going to invest in that person. They're going too far. They're going in a different direction but it is a testimony of the mercies of God and how not only was God merciful and he got you to that point, but we as believers, we need to exercise all the compassion and the empathy towards everybody that we come in contact with because we don't know their story and we don't know the ending of the story. We don't know what God has prepared for them. And God may be calling us to serve in their life as that person who is going to love them and help them get to that next step. And if that's what God has called us to do, we should be so thankful to do that. I think of David you know, in the comment that he said, let me be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Right. How much greater is it to be someone who takes a brother or a sister and gives them that little extra push so they can become what God has called them to be. And the entire kingdom of God is impacted because then they go on to be a pastor, a missionary, a prayer warrior, whatever that is. Right. Or even, or even they go on to be a great Christian parent or mm. a school teacher or a business person. I mean, when we come alongside, and I mean, and, and that's why I think the ministry, like when I read the New Testament, and I read back, one of the, my favorite characters is Barnabas. When the, when the church would have rejected Saul of Tarsus, Barnabas came alongside him and said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disciple this guy. And the same spirit is in Aquila and Priscilla when they take Apollos and say, I'm going to meet where you're at, and I'm going to help you. It's all kinds. And I'm grateful that there are people um, like you, Brandon, that, I mean, you were like a Barnabas, you know, to me, I'm definitely not an apostle Paul, but, <laughs> but, but you had that same, you know, that same care for me. And so uh, one of the characteristics I think of our church, and oftentimes churches will take on the characteristics of their leaders. I mean, just it's a haven for people that are broken or that have some type of, of hurt and pain because and we know that it's real and we know that God can restore. Um, and um, I don't know. I'm just forever grateful, man. I'm grateful. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I could never do justice, man. I, I love those words, but I'm going to tell you what, if God isn't gracious to me, I can't do anything. So yeah. I appreciate it. But, you yeah. know, going back to one of the things that you were saying in regards to the leadership I can't help but think earlier, and you even used the scriptural reference about being conformed to the image of the sun. Really, 
and I think I can't I can't remember if it was the last podcast that episode that I did or the one before that, but the comments were made that we get what we preach. If we preach love, if we preach whatever it is, we're gonna get that out of our people. But if we're truly being conformed to the image of the Son, if we are truly trying to be like Jesus, so so we can be that light, that salt, whatever that is, then we should like as Christians, uh, you know, in all aspects, there should be this unconditional love that flows out of our, our lives, because that's really what the cross is all about. Jesus came and he paid that ultimate sacrifice to do what? To reconcile, to bring mankind back. And I believe that uh, my phone's going off. Look at that. Had to stop it. I believe that in all of these things that we're talking about, really, that's what it's about. And the leadership, like you said, we had a great leader. I've been asked, you know, many times in my life, who was my, my pastor. And when I tell them, they'll say, you know, we can see a lot of the characteristics that, that he has. And, and I think it's, it's that um, love for people and that desire to, to serve them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's, uh, and it takes time. And I mean, and to that point, like trying to be conformed to the image of the sun, um, you know, there's part of the role that we play. can also be the role that life plays and God uses everything in life, every situation, every person that we encounter. And so over the past two years, like I said, one of the prayers that I've learned to pray is, okay, God, what are you doing right here where we're at? We're looking sometimes out there uh, in the the yonder, you know, and God's saying, well, I'm doing ministry right here. I'm doing ministry in you. I'm conforming you to the image of the sun. And, you know, I'm using you to be that light. So I've learned to just say, God, what are you doing in the here and now? And how can I participate? I mean, so mm. my prayer is kind of, kind of changed. What are you doing here now? And how can I participate? Not God, will you do this? Will you do that? I still pray those prayers, but a large part of my prayer is trying to discern what God is doing and how I can just get on board. And then I find that when I'm doing that, he does um, change and shape the things in me and he'll send people into my life. And sometimes they're those Lazaruses that are laying at my gate that are just longing for the crumbs of my attention. There's people that God is wanting to, to reach that they're right there in front of us. And they're, I mean, they're just longing for just a little bit of time. Mm. And uh, so God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, Josh, I've really enjoyed this time. I know we went, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because every episode seems like it's going to always go over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say, well, I know we went over the time. No, but I, I really enjoy this. I, I, getting get getting to see you via Zoom, I feel like we're uh, we're together. We've got so many memories. We could probably do a podcast on uh, what not to do that people could actually learn from. <laughs> yes, I use some of those things sometimes. <laughs> I I think back. Um, Actually, just yesterday, I was thinking of, of some of the stuff that we uh, we did. Oh, man. I think my favorite memory, though, 
And I don't know if I'll cut this or leave this in. I'll think about it. But I think my favorite memory is when I was asleep at the house one night. And all of a sudden I heard like this big like bump on like a wall or something. And I woke up and I looked down and I saw you like leaning up against the wall in my room and you were like praying. And I was like, where did Josh come from? Because you weren't at my house when I went to sleep. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, did God just translate him to my house when he was praying or something? And and what had happened was uh, you had come over and I didn't know. And my mom had just like let you in the house. And so you had, you were in the room, just like, I guess you were going to go to sleep or something in the floor there and decided to pray. And you woke me up praying. Uh, yep. My prayer time at that time, I, I don't know why, um, but my prayer time was always like 12 midnight that I said, you know, I'm going to pray at this time. And I would just drop everything and do that. And I am forever grateful to your family. Um, man, guys, and I'm very, very, very grateful. Yeah. No, we love we love you greatly. I know my my mom. She um she got to the point where she would always she she'd go grocery shopping and she started putting things in the basket because she was like the cake, the cakes. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I ate so many of those pastries and uh, hostess cakes at your. You know, I can't eat that stuff now. If I eat it, I mean, I'm like. Uh, my sugar's through the roof. I mean, and and it's like, I can't even eat it anymore. But when I was first in the church, yeah, I ate up all that stuff at your house, man. <laughs> I probably should send your mom a check for <laughs> pay her back. <laughs> oh man. No, it was, it was so good though, man. And, and I think that looking back and, and the church doesn't need to miss this, especially when God's doing things. When, when people are, coming into the church, when people are developing their relationship with God, those who have been in the church need to celebrate, need to rejoice, need to be a part. And more than anything, I think that we were all celebrating that together. I've thought about that. And and uh, we think about discipleship, and you talked about it earlier. I think in a lot of ways, we were all trying to figure it out too, you know, and, and and really, it was just, we're just going to love love people and ask God to help us outside of that. And uh, but those are those are by far some of the most precious memories in my life. Um, learned so much, learned so much. But we we love you guys greatly, and we could, like I said, we could go on, yeah, uh, and do a whole whole episode about things like like that. But. It was good. I'm glad that you um, you shared with us. I know that people are going to listen to this and get something out of it because we don't need to forget that all of us come to Jesus from different places. Right. And the greatest thing about Jesus is that he has open arms and he is ready to start this relationship with you. And he's not asking you to have it all together. He's not asking you to clean everything up. He, he takes us by the hand in, in that state that we're in. And he offers us something better. Amen. Amen. So with that, I want to thank all of our listeners here at the Church Infix. And if you don't know anything about us, go read about us on our Facebook page 
what infix means is it means to insert firmly planted and growth. We're all about developing and we want really the theme of the disciple of our podcast is discipleship in a, in a theory, but I know we have a lot of pastors on here and we have a lot of people that share stories about the church, but overall our goal is for you to get implanted firmly in your faith. And we want this to be development for you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate us. It will help us get the word out. And we'll be back very soon with another episode of The Church Infix.